do you, do you feel ready for Christmas? No. Is it, it kind of blindsided you a little bit? Some people, some people have been celebrating Christmas since last Christmas. They never let up. It's kind of the year-rounders. How many of you are kind of year-rounders? Also, okay, awesome. I, I, what was, who put up their tree the earliest? I'm curious. When, when, when did your tree go up? Last Sunday. Okay, can you beat last Sunday? Anybody? Frankie? The day after Halloween, <laughs> November 1st. All right, I think you might win. So nice job, Frankie Cohen, first one, November 1st. That's right. You can only do that when you don't have a live tree, I think, right? It's not a live, you didn't cut one down. Okay, that's good. All right. Well, we are in Advent. It's, it's helpful for us sometimes to have these rhythms when the weather doesn't necessarily feel like it's Christmas time. It is helpful for us to have moments where we say, hey, let's prepare our hearts for this. I, I don't know what your Thanksgiving was like. I hope it was good. For some people, Thanksgiving can be a little bit extra lonely time. It can be, it can be hard. You can be with relatives who are a little difficult as well. I don't know who was there. Uh, I don't know if your team won or whatever. I, I don't know what went on for you, but this is the season where we start to prepare, turn our eyes toward Christmas. And during the four weeks of Advent, these weeks of preparation for Christmas, not, not something that a lot of evangelicals have a part of, normally know about to prepare for Advent, but I think it's a really positive thing for us to turn our minds and our, our attention toward Christmas and the, and the meaning of Christmas. Well, during these weeks of Advent, these four Sundays as we prepare, we are going to be thinking about rest. And that might seem a bit counterintuitive for us to do it then. It might be a bit, might seem even a little delusional. <laughs> it might even seem a little bit mean because you think, hey, Christmas is not a time of rest. Christmas is a time, uh, it's not restful. It's a time of uh, panic and uh, uh, it's frantic. It's, um, it's just kind of crazy. And, and for some of us, it's kind of the way that we think it's supposed to be or it's kind of the way it's always been. It's like that. Well, one song that captures a little bit of that frantic feeling for me is the song, We Need a Little Christmas. I don't know how you experience that. You may know best the Johnny Mathis version of that song. Uh, I don't know if it has the same effect on you as it does on me, but whenever I hear that, I hear this song, and it, and it kind of combines together all of the craziness of Christmas, the chaos and the urgency of all the things that need to get done. I need a little Christmas right this very minute, right? And, it, and I just think, oh my gosh, I've got more things on my list than I even know what to do with. When I hear that song, my blood pressure kind of goes up. It's not one of my favorites. Um, but I think of all the things that I need to do, and I need to do them when? Right this very minute. That's when things get taken, need to get taken care of. What's interesting about that song is the initial meaning of the song was a bit different. It, uh, the song was written for a Broadway production of MAME. Uh, Angel Lansbury, I think, was the one who sang it in the beginning. And uh, it was originally, the, it was about this family going through the market crash of 1929. And so the title character, Mame, she's with her, I think her, I, I read about it, I haven't seen it, but that, that basically she's with her nephew, she's with some of her servants, and they've just lost a bunch of money after the market crash of 29. And they say, you know what we need? We need a little Christmas, is what we need. So she's looking forward to this Christmas season as something to give her a boost. I, I need something to, to help my mood at this time. And she needs that to cheer them up. And, and I think a lot of times for us, like 
for Mim, we, we put a lot of kind of good and hopeful expectations on Christmas. It's a nice time, I think. There, it's a meaningful, there are some meaningful moments for us to savor that are in that. So Christmas is heavy with activity. It's heavy with expectations that we put on it as well. Some of us do look forward to it all year long. We put a lot of things, a lot of stock in it. And I thought that this song particularly captured my emotions about the holiday, some of the anxiety and panic of it, along with the meaning of saying, eh, you know, there's some, there's some nice warmth meaning together. I don't, I don't know, it's like uh, it's anxiety and warmth together, which may have just described your family as well. So I, I, I've taken that song and I've adapted it for us. This is going to be our theme for this time of Advent. You may have seen it if you have the, your bulletin there. It says, I need a little respite right this very minute. So uh, what we need, we need some rest. As we come into the season, we're going to need to practice that discipline of being restful in God even in these moments. So we're going to talk about rest, and I, I want to acknowledge that, that maybe as you think about that, when you don't, I know that you don't need anything added to your to-do list, and sometimes when we, if you hear that we're going to be talking about rest, you might think, that's just something more that I'm going to need to do, or I'm going to need to do the same number of things, but do them with less time because I'm supposed to be stopping at certain times. I don't want it to be like that. Uh, that's not the direction that we're going to go in. I don't want to add anything to make it any more frantic than it is. But what we do need is a little bit of respite. And probably right this very minute, because maybe you're already in it. So I, 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 I don't know. You've probably already been through some stuff. You've probably already done some driving. You've done some cooking. You've done some shopping. You've done some meeting with people. Uh, the whole thing has already gotten going a little bit. So we need a little respite. So it's possible, I will say, as we talk about this over the next few weeks, that you will choose to do less stuff, that you will do fewer things because of this, but it's also possible that you will do the same number of things, you'll even do the same activities, but I'm hoping that if you do those things, you will do it with a bit different spirit, you will, do it, you will approach it in a bit of a different way in the rest of Christ, that that will shape the way that you do that. Either way, I hope that we can find some true rest. Let, let's pray as we get into the Word. Lord, we come to you, the one who, who promises us a true Sabbath rest. You say that in Hebrews. I pray that we will be people who really never lose sight of you. Help us to think about your Word right now. Help us to be shaped by you and your Spirit less than by the things that maybe are burdening us or pressing us, driving us. Help us to hear you this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the reason that we are going to talk about rest is that Jesus did. Uh, Jesus talked about rest, and the, the key passage that I think of when I think about this, there, there are many different ones, but this one is a really key one, is in Matthew 11. So if you have your Bible, you can open to Matthew 11. I don't have any overhead slides or anything today. I, was, I drove to San Jose and back. I, this is... It was a little crazy for me, too. So this is in Matthew 11, and it's going to be toward the end. It's in uh, verses 28 to 30. 
So you can open your app and, and look on it on there. We're going to be referring back to it a few times, so go ahead and um, you can try to find that. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. And Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Jesus is inviting us to this at any point as Christians. We should seek to enter into God's rest at any time we need this is important for Christians at any point, but I think that at this particular time, as we head into Advent, it's a particular moment where we should practice this, to practice the rest for our souls in, the, in some of Jesus' promises to, to meet our true longing in God rather than anything else. And if we, if we practice it now, I think it's going to be helpful for us as we meet other moments in life that are going to be anxiety-driven maybe that are going to be frantic. It's going to help us to do it together because sometimes we're going to face some of those moments when we feel kind of alone. So let's do it together. We can access this good gift, this good gift of rest, and Jesus is going to, uh, let's look at it in three different steps. We need to recognize that we are weary and burdened. We need to come to Jesus, and we need to take his yoke upon us. All right, first of all, let's recognize that we are weary and burdened. So one of, the, one of the pressures that we have from Christmas is that we have this longing to have something that's profound, moments that are warm, that feel meaningful. We need those kind of things. And so there are all these emotions that end up getting wrapped up in Christmas time. And I, I've talked with some people who have told me that it, it, didn't, it took them until much later in life, into their 70s, they said, you know, I didn't realize that that feeling that I had was a feeling of anxiety about Christmas, about the holidays in general. I, I, he said, I don't feel like I love this time. I realize that this is a mixed emotion for me. So we get all of these things added on to what is kind of our baseline burdens and our baseline uh, a baseline anxiety, our baseline weariness. You may, you may be coming into Advent kind of pre, pre-wearied, right? You're like, I don't, I don't need all the other stuff. I've got, I'm already coming in pre-wearied, like, a, like an oven that's been pre-warmed. So, so, and, and sometimes what I think that we hope is we hope that the, that the season is going to be able to help carry us a little bit, that there's going to be something kind of like the adrenaline rush, of a season, that the, that the spirit of the season is going to kind of carry us along when we already feel like we're uh, having some difficulty. But I, I, don't think that one, I don't think that one holiday can really carry that truckload of emotional expectations for us. It can't do it. So what we have to do is we need to admit that, that we're coming in with some burdens, with some weariness. And, and the problem is, you know, we, we do this to Christmas, but it isn't just to Christmas that we do this to. We, we do this to other areas of our lives, too. We, we kind of hope that, that the thing that we're going to do is going to be able to take care of some of the underlying feelings or emotions that are happening to us already. So we, we come into marriage, and some of us have found that, that we had hoped that marriage was going to be able to take care of some things, but we found out that after we got married, it didn't actually cover our previous wounds that we had. So they keep coming out in marriage. The, that didn't fix it. Or maybe we hope that by buying that house that it, that didn't, it was going to cover our discontent, and that didn't do it either. 
But Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I, I just want to say also that some of you have had the experience also of not, of maybe having even church experience of adding to that feeling of weariness or burdens. It may have added, it may have just been one more thing for you to do. And that's, that's not the spirit of what Jesus is saying here. It's not an individualistic step that we come to Jesus. We do come together, but we do have to work to make sure that the church isn't just something for us to do. It's who we are, that it isn't, isn't a religious expectation for us to keep and maintain, just go through the steps, but really it maintains this vision of moving toward Jesus. We're carrying burdens that only God can remove. So let's make sure that that's something that we're ex- helping each other to do, to turn our eyes to Jesus, bring them to God. And that's the second step, is coming to Jesus. So we're supposed to come to Jesus. Notice that it's, a, it's really a relational move. It, it's, not, it's not coming to God in some general sense, like, hey, just, just bring things to God. But specifically, he says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me. It's a personal invitation by Jesus. That really, terribly ego, egotistical if, it's, if he is not who he says he is. But come to me, Jesus. And it's, so it's not... It's not something for our head to know. That's not the primary thing. It's not, it's, not a, it's not something for us to get our life in order before we come to him. It's not even specifically like growth religiously, I'll say. It's, it's an initial move of relationship toward Jesus. Specific person, Jesus. And Jesus doesn't let us think that it is just a general sense of God. He, he doesn't let us think that even about himself, that he's just a good teacher, one among many. He doesn't make it like that. He says again and again, and, and there's actually the verse just before the one that we read in verse 27, Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He's, he says, hey, I'm, I'm the access point for you to know about the Father. If you want to know God, you need to come to me. He is the one. So don't just become religious. Don't just learn new things. That's not what it's about. Don't just try to get your life in order. That's not it. The question is, in this Advent season, will we come to Jesus, the one who wants to unburden us? the, The third thing is that we need to take his yoke. It says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And, and the yoke is that wooden piece that fits between on the necks of the oxen as they would plow the field together. So it's, a, it's an image of something that we are bearing to do some work. And it's interesting that the, the life that Jesus calls us to isn't one that just says, hey, you have no responsibilities. You are in permanent retirement with no re- responsibilities. You've got nothing to do. But it's, it's actually where we, we step in, we take in his yoke. It's a place where there is work, but it's meaningful work. It's work that is driven by a good, a good person at the plow who knows us and loves us and isn't trying to work us to death. So... And that's going to be helpful is when we think about who is it that's at the plow, who's telling us to put our yoke on us, is going to determine a lot of how we perceive what it's like to take on his yoke. 
the image of the work, how we're being driven and how he's pushing us is really going to, it's really going to flavor a lot of what we think about God. Jesus tells a couple of parables that might help us with that. He tells a parable of the talents. I don't know if you know this story that Jesus told. He told a story about that he had, he had given different amounts of money. A talent was a weight of metal, and so he gave a, a talent of silver, I think it is, right? That he gives this to different people, and he gives one ten, gives one five, and one one. And the one he gave ten to went and made ten more, the one he gave five to went and made five more, and the one he gave one to, he, set, he took his and buried it and didn't want to, to use it. And the reason why, the reason at the end is he talks to his master in this parable, the story that Jesus is telling to try to understand what we think about God. He says, the reason why I did that is because you, my master, are a hard man and you, you reap where you don't sow. You, you take what is not really yours. So that that servant ended up burying their talent of, of precious metal because they didn't want to use it, because they were worried about the type of master that he had. And in the end, he ends up saying that the master says, no, 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 that's not what I wanted for you. You should have at least put it in the bank and made some interest. His perception of his master shaped the way that he did his work. The other two perceived their work in a different way. And maybe the way that you perceive what God is giving you is going to end up shaping the way that you think about what it means to live for God. If you think that God is a slave driver who doesn't really love you or have your needs in mind, it's going to really change the way that you think about who God is. But here's another parable that Jesus told that gives us a very different picture about what it means to be someone to accept him as our master, as our one who gives us his yoke. He, this is in Luke 12. He says this, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. So there's a, some master who is headed off to go to a big party, and there needs to be some, some servants who are there waiting with some lamps lit, ready to welcome the master. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And we would think a natural way to be rewarded would be to say, hey, good job, nicely done. You were doing the service that I expected of you. Hey, that's what I wanted. But Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, the servants, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. I would love to spend way more time on this. I think it's an amazing parable that Jesus tells about a master who's willing to have his servants sit down and he would serve them to put on an apron and serve them food for doing the job that they were kind of expected to do. But what is amazing is that we serve a God. Right? There's, we, we, we follow Jesus, and Jesus is the type of person who would even tell a parable like this. I can't imagine in my workplace or in places I've been before, if my boss were to tell a story about the way that good leadership is executed is by serving other people. That's not the way that the world works. But Jesus says, this is the way that you're going to be rewarded. And this is what it looks like. The master that we have, our master Jesus, this is the way that he is going to serve us. He's the kind of guy who would tell a story like that. He's the kind of guy who would actually serve us. And what are we going to find? The reason 
that we can find rest for our souls. We know that this is going to be the type of leader who's not going to drive us to exhaustion. He's somebody who wants to give us rest for our souls. And I think sometimes we come to the Christmas season kind of hoping that we will be able to unburden ourselves a little bit, change a pace. It's nice. I like, I like it too. But I think if we, if we have correctly seen the burdens that we actually have, the, the, the weight of the things that we are carrying with us right now, I think we're going to know that, you know, this, this can't get taken away just by a few days off or uh, maybe some good food to eat or maybe some new presents that we would get. Because our, our problem is that our souls are wandering. Our souls are longing for something deep and meaningful. So it's, it's just something that can't get pulled off in a holiday season. But what we need is for God to take that burden from us. We want God to take our burden from us. So it, it's not going to be from just ceasing activities. We're, I, think, I think it's not from the number of activities even that we have. It comes from the burdens that we're carrying that we are not meant to be carrying. So it's not the number of activities we're doing. It's the burdens that we're carrying. And so we need to recognize what is the real problem. And in the immortal words of the Jackson 5, don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Don't blame it on the good times. Blame it on the boogie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Where, where were you guys before? You guys were alive then. She wasn't even alive then, and she knew that. Okay, so for us, you know, we, when we think about Christmas, let's not blame it on the Christmas tree. Don't blame it on the turkey. Blame it on the boogie. The, our problem isn't all the stuff that we've got to do. It isn't the, the things that we want to get through. The problem is that we keep this boogie, that we've got this burden of things that we think we need to carry through the season. That all we, it's the things that we add to our activities that make them actually frantic. And we end up having a little too much of the bad kind of boogie. So there are three things that we can lay aside. Let's, let's lay aside these things. I, these are the things that I want God to give us respite from. And we're going we're gonna to look at these a little bit more in the next few weeks. But here are some things. I think that we, need, we can lay aside in God's name the need to generate meaning during this season. We think that uh, there are a couple of problems. One of them is that we can end up just kind of, we don't want to just go through the rote things, like just cover the activities, but sometimes we think that we are the ones who have to infuse some of the Christmas magic into everything for the people around us, that we're the ones who have to make all the meaning. So we, it's one thing to do all of our Christmas activities, but it's another one if we feel like it's our job to make it magical or to make it super meaningful, because we, we can't be the ones to do that. that. That's a burden that we don't need to bear. It, it's too much for us to have to carry that. And, I, and I'll, I'll just admit to you, I think that's something that is even especially a problem for pastors. Like, I, I want, not just for my kids, I want that for my kids, of course, but I, I think I want that for everybody at part of our church life. I want that, but I, I need to take that burden off. It's not my job to make things meaningful. Christ is the one who makes Christmas ma magical, who makes it meaningful, and my job is just to point to him. And it's the same job that you have, that our, our Christmas time is not to make it meaningful. What we can do is just point to Jesus. We point to the real meaning of Christmas, and we can take that burden off because God is willing to carry that burden. 
we don't have to have that one on ourselves. So don't, don't feel like you have to carry all the meaning of Christmas. The second one that I would like for us to take, the second burden I would like us to take off is feeling like you need to prove to yourself that you are worthy. You can imagine all the same activities that we could do. You could do the same stuff, but if you don't have to do that stuff to prove that you are worthy, to prove that you're enough, you're not going to be driven in the same kind of frantic way. You can still make the stuffing, but it doesn't have to be laden with all of your own personal angst, right? Just use broth, not your own angst. So, you know, we, we want to prove that we're a good dad, that we're a good mom, we're a good grandparent, we're a good aunt, and I, I, and I want to prove that to myself. I feel like I add all of that salsa of anxiety to everything in it. But, but Christ tells us that we are worth saving, that he wanted to come to earth because he cares about us. He wants us. We don't have to carry the burden that we would prove that we are worthy because God has already said that we are worthy. He was willing to give himself for us. And the last burden I would like for us to just leave at the door is the need to impress other people. I think we need to admit that one of the burdens that we carry as we head into Christmas season is I, I want other people also to think that I'm doing it right or that, I'm, uh, that I've, I, I show that I've got enough Christmas spirit. I don't know, that, I, that I, my thing is Instagram worthy, that, my, that I've done it good enough that, my, that such and such relative will approve. Uh, we, we start to do it in a way simply to approve, get somebody else's approval. And that's, that's a burden that we don't need to carry. You don't need to carry that because Christ has already proven that he loves you and he has put his approval on you. So like I said, we're going to talk about those a little bit more in the weeks ahead. Uh, but I, I just want to say, you know, you might be there sitting, sitting there saying, hey, those three things are all things that you don't have to be a Christian in order to let those things go. Like, that, that any kind of self-help person would be able to say, hey, we don't, you don't need those things. You, you don't need to carry those burdens. Uh, why is that particularly a Christian point of view? And I, I think that's true. There are plenty of other leaders who will be able to tell you that, that you don't, you don't need to create meaning. You, don't need to you need to take care of yourself during Christmas. I hope that we all hear that message as well. Uh, I'll just say, there, the, the difference is our rationale. Uh, there are a couple of rationales that you can have from a non-Christian point of view that would move you to not have to do those things, to be able to let go of those burdens. The first one is kind of more of a self-motivated kind of way. It it's kind of comes down to self-preservation, kind of like you should take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. Uh, so you, should, you shouldn't burden yourself too much with all these things. Don't worry about that. Uh, but it, it comes down to you, you should look out for yourself. I think that's, a, that's actually a positive thing, and I think that's actually true. Uh, the second one is, is maybe you never really said out loud, but the second one would be basically, it's just another day. There's no real meaning here. You're just going through the motions. Why get yourself all wrapped up in a knot? And I, I don't think that anyone would ever say that out loud in that way. It's kind of true, too, in a way. Right? We don't have to make this more than what it is. But if we aren't approaching this as believers, I think that we could say, hey, take it, don't put too many burdens on yourself because of these things. But I think that our Christian perspective offers us a very different way, a different rationale for why we should be able to unload these burdens. And that is that Christmas actually does have meaning. 
And that the meaning is that God wasn't willing to preserve himself, but to come into our world and be among us. That we, we worship a God who is willing to come and become human, to be among us, to give his life for us. And that imbues the whole holiday not only with meaning, but it means that I don't have to put all of that meaning on myself. I don't have to create meaning because God has infused meaning in it, and I need to look more deeply at that thing. I I don't need to try to prove myself because God was willing to give his life for me and so that I don't have to be the one to come up with my own, to make myself feel like I'm okay. And I don't need to prove to anyone else that I'm okay either because God has put his name on me and said, you are mine. The, the, the incarnation that God, that God would become a person shows that he does care about us. And he cares about us enough to come and say, you have been taking on burdens that are not yours. I do have work for you but I am good and gentle of heart. My my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't want you to take on things that are not for you. I I think all of that is going to give our Christmas some real meaning. So let's, let's look forward to Advent. I think all of that can really change our perspective as we come into Christmas to say, I don't need to carry all these burdens. Maybe I still do the same activities, but I can maybe do them a bit differently because of what God has done and is doing in my life. Let's, let's give him those burdens. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you and recognize that we are weary and burdened and we want to come to you, Jesus. We're willing to take your yoke to do the meaningful work that you give to us, not because it means that we earn your affection, but because you've already shown that you do love us. So we want to, we want to serve you. You're a, a good master. You're a good person to serve. You're a good boss to work for because you care about us. I pray that we, as we get into some of the busyness, that we will do it in a way that allows our souls to rest in you. It's not just something else we have to do, but something that we are able to kind of let go of and not have all that extra anxiety added to it. So God, we ask you to come and take our burdens to take our weariness, that we can be people who really rest in you and rejoice in the real gift of Christmas, this Jesus. Amen.